Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm so glad you could join us today. I am really excited for the conversation we're going to have today. I will introduce uh, Becky here more formally, um, but she is just so passionate and full of energy, and you're, you're going to adore her just as much as I did uh, when I met her in Iowa. So for me, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Lori LeBay. My mom had dementia for 30 years, and it changed my life and changed my career. And so here I am with Alzheimer's Speaks, trying to make a difference, trying to help people live graciously with this disease and connect them to people and services and tools that will make their life um, much easier. Um, Alzheimer's Speaks on the whole is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. And it is very critical that we all work together. And uh, that's what I love about this job is just the opportunity to be able to meet all the people that I, I do is just uh, really quite astonishing. We also are a media platform to help others build their brand without having to redevelop everything. And so if you're a company or an organization that wants to connect to Alzheimer's dementia and caregiving, reach out to me because we'd love to help you do that as well. We've been doing this since 09. Now, today, I also have to thank all of our listeners because you guys are fabulous. You are just fabulous. You see, you have been so loyal and so supporting to us here at Alzheimer's Week. You are the ones that got us recognized by Oprah and Dr. Oz and Chair Care and Maria Shriver. And that never would have happened without you guys just taking those couple of seconds to share our content with your sphere of influence. Your likes, your clicks, your shares, they're powerful. And don't think for a second they're not. Really are um, a big, big major part of our community. And we'd love to invite you to tell your story on Alzheimer's Speaks if you're comfortable. So reach out to me. You can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and click on the big contact us button and tell me your story. And we'll set up a time to, to chat and let others know what you're doing to make a difference or what changes you'd like to see and what ideas you have. I also always like to give a shout out to a few organizations that I just, um, just adore. And one is Maria Shriver's um, Women's Alzheimer's Movement. She does a thing called Move for Minds every June where she raises funds for research for women. But she is just, if you haven't met her, she is absolutely fabulous. And she puts out a magazine, or I should say a paper every Sunday called the Sunday Paper that I, I can't wait till every Sunday morning when I wake up to open it because she's so uplifting and yet she's so authentic about her life and the people that she meets and interviews. And she's really about making change and, um, and raising everyone's voice. So um, check her out. You can go to the womensalzheimersmovement.org and you'll be able to get information on the Move for Minds um, 
event as well as her, her Sunday paper and her other resources. Care to Plan is a, um, a beta test uh, resource directory specific to dementia that's out right now and it's very cool and it's going to be really powerful. It'll have geo searches and it'll be able to connect you from anything from doctors and speakers and trainers um, to different types of of communities, to tests, to tools, to products, to all kinds of educational stuff, and it'll all be free to the public. So check that out. You can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and then click on the resource button. It'll tell you a little bit more about that. If you want to get involved as a business, you can. Last one I'm going to mention right now is the American Senior Magazine. They are doing some really cool things. It's a lifestyle magazine, comes out quarterly. Um, but their, their target is really our elders, and the topics are very nostalgic, and they have some really high-profile people in there, and it's about health and wellness, and then they have a lot of activities um, that you can participate in um, from, from puzzles and questions and, and things. Um, so go ahead and check out the American Senior Magazine.com. Um, so let me introduce Becky. I was lucky enough to meet Becky when I was in a conference in Iowa. And Becky was one of the panelists that was on a session that I was facilitating in her passion and her positive attitude. It just beams like this ray of light that is undeniable. And as soon as I met her, as soon as I heard her just speak to the first couple of words, I'm like, I have got to have that woman on the radio show because she is a powerhouse and she is here to make change and to really help people in this process. And so I was thrilled when she, when she agreed to come on the show and um, share um, her journey and her business that she's created to improve things. Becky is the first to say that she was raised by probably two of the most incredible parents. Her mother is Rami Orr, and she taught her kids to learn by doing or by taking part and just being engaged and caring for, for Becky's own grandmother. And then her dad, you probably will recognize his name, is Johnny Orr, who was the famous former um, basketball coach at Iowa State University. And Becky was the, the uh, youngest of four girls, and she'll talk a little bit about those family dynamics as well. And she was very lucky because they all get along, and not all of us can say that. <laughs> she graduated from college. She worked in sales, and she's done um, tons of volunteer work with nonprofit boards for over 25 years. And she just added to you know her resume also taking care of a sister who had ALS and her mom with Alzheimer's disease. So really a, a quite diverse background. And now she is the founder and owner of a company called Senior Home Finder of Iowa. So welcome, Becky, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Lori, and thanks for having me on. Well, like I said, um, from the moment I talked to you, it was just like, ah, I, I, I just enjoy talking with you because you are just so filled with passion and you just, you, you radiate good juju. <laughs> and I love that about you. So if you, if you don't mind, I always like to ask everybody to kind of tell their story of, you know, have they been touched with, you know, by dementia, which, you know, I already mentioned that your mom did, but if you can tell us a little history about how that played out. Absolutely. Initially, uh, my sisters and I are all a team. We were raised that way. 
we moved a lot as we were growing up and we rely on each other and we're very close. We would have conversations um, about my mother and say, did you talk to mom today? Well, what time did you talk to her? Well, you can't talk to her after she's had her first cocktail. We had to wait and figure it out. And we'd start saying, well, I still don't think she's tracking. Something's wrong. And then we went through the process of trying to figure out, maybe she can't hear. We tried to get my dad to play along with that and say, why don't you just say, Rami, why don't we both get our hearing tested? And of course, he didn't quite get our message. And he goes, there's nothing wrong with my ears. I hear fine out of this ear. Oh, okay. So that's done. So we got our hearing aids. That didn't help. We finally got her into a doctor. They gave her the memory test and they never said to any, to, I was the only one there, but my parents and I, and they didn't say she had Alzheimer's. They gave me a flyer on Aricept and told me to read it. And the first paragraph is that it's the number one drug prescribed for people with Alzheimer's. All of a sudden I'm full of questions. Wait, wait, what's the difference between senile, dementia, Alzheimer's? Her dad was senile. And they said, well, Becky, dementia is like heart disease. There's many forms of dementia. Your mother has Alzheimer's or has dementia in the Alzheimer's branch. Your grandfather probably had some form of dementia, but they obviously couldn't tell what his was because he died several years ago in 1976. But we just didn't know. Then we went through the process of other people saying, or doctors saying, well, First thing I noticed is, uh, how do you sleep at night, Rami? Well, like most 70-year-olds, and she was 72 when she was diagnosed. Most 70-year-olds, I don't sleep through the night. And then she started crying and said, but I sometimes can't get back to sleep because I can't remember the names of my grandchildren and my step-grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So you, it's really hard to watch your mom cry. And he said, well, the first thing I learned in medical school was to recognize depression. And the second thing I learned was to treat it. So my mother graciously, cause I had to bring up the fact that what does Zoloft, what does the effect of Zoloft have on alcohol? <laughs> my father goes, well, we only have two or three drinks a day. And of course I had to mention that his two or three are equal to my five or six. But anyway, he looked right at my mother and he directed everything to her. And he said, you know, Rami, alcohol won't make you feel better. She gave it up that day. She gave up driving that day. And in retrospect, my father's at an event raising money for Alzheimer's and he makes jokes about it. Damn glad I didn't get that disease. She had to give up driving and drinking, you know, and he didn't want to. So we've all had a very good humorous look at it. We read books, mostly the one that had the biggest impact was Creating Moments of Joy by Jolene Brackey. And it just allowed us to understand that the sooner we recognize she is not in today, she is never coming back, the easier it is for us to accept the changes in her and look at her, not her disease, and carry on from there. And we have done that and we had so much fun with her. Just making fun of the little idiosyncrasies and bless her heart, she was able in the early years to say, you know, some days I have Alzheimer's, Becky, and some days Alzheimer's has me. And that was quite, I mean, it was just so wonderful that she could share that with us and was still able to. And as she lost that capability and became more and more confused, you could still ask her very important questions. 
and she would give you the spot answer you needed. No mm -hmm. one else could. I got put on notice at a company I was working for shortly after my sister died of ALS that I wasn't performing and I was miserably upset. I called my dad, I called my other two sisters, I called my dad again and my dad goes, you know, you already called me. Do you wanna to talk to your mother? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> he told me to get out there and shake my muffin and make something happen. And I tell you, there's no one that could make you laugh harder about a bad situation than her, taking a completely positive look on everything. And we are grateful for having had her as a mom. Oh, that is, you know, it's, it's wonderful that you guys as a family could in, embrace the disease and just accept it for what it, what it was and what it wasn't at times, you know, um, and, and be able to move on. So, you know, um, I, that is just amazing because most families don't get there that fast. And a lot of them don't get there all at the same time. My, my family, uh, you know, I have an older brother and a younger brother, and everybody was on a different page. My dad and I were on the same page. But my brothers, they didn't really, they didn't embrace it. They didn't even really want to recognize it. You know, it's a part of it. And they missed out on so much. Absolutely. We did a good job of helping each other not miss out because – we weren't all in the same place and obviously I moved them close to me. I was the one in sales that had a little more flexibility in my schedule than my sisters who were both in education. So I could take off to take them to the doctor. I could take off to take them to the dentist. I could go see them after work before I came home. It was very close to me and that's I think critical in your ability to help them when you finally make the decision that they need more help than they can help each other. So. I've been very blessed and I made a point similar to what she taught us to teach my children so that in the event I get it, they know how to treat me. <laughs> yep. No, I get that. I get that. My daughter is, uh, on the, you know, she, the last thing she wanted to be was anything like her mom. And she went to school for graphic design. And, um, you know, I had a, a history. I was in real estate for 25 years and then I switched over to this, uh, area with dementia and now she is an activities director and she adores her job you know but she she grew up her whole life with my mom having dementia she didn't right. know, she didn't know anyone different in, in granted she saw her in the very beginning stages but she she was right there with her every step my children my children the same and my niece and nephew well, my niece and nephew are a little older than my kids, but my kids don't ever remember grandma without it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's, um, I, I know there's a lot of people that try to, you know, keep it from the kids and it's not their problem. And it's, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't be looking at it in my eyes anyways, as anyone's problem. It's just, we all have different things we're dealing with, you know, and we're not all perfect. And so it's just I totally about, agree. It's about acceptance and and joining the journey, you know, in a respectful fashion and being there for, for one another. Um, I, I also loved what you said about when you wanted to talk to your mom because you know she just cemented it all together for you and just and my mom was like that too. She she was like the safest person to talk to because there wasn't any judgment. It was like just get on living. Just keep going. You're doing, yep. you know, maybe, maybe these ones don't appreciate you right now, but others do. And just, you have something to offer. And, and um, no matter what my day was like, 
there was just this calmness and this comfort of acceptance with her. And I agree. I, you know, I even could go to her when I was having, as a single mom, you run into different parenting issues. And I had to discipline my daughter and I could go sit with her. And this is after my father has passed and she's in the memory care unit. And I could just sit with her and explain my situation. She would look very interested. She didn't know my name. She didn't know. I mean, she might've known I loved her, but she couldn't identify who I was, but she still had the wherewithal to look at me and say, you know, you have the hardest job. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm aware of that. I was hoping you could tell me what to say. <laughs> anyway, and she was always very much in the moment. And I mean, she really didn't know whether she'd eaten or anything, but we didn't look at that. And we didn't talk about what'd you eat for lunch? We came in, they, they typically, in my opinion, are similar to parrots. They're going to react the way you react. If you walk in all glum and they're going to be glum and but if you walk in all smiling and happy, they turn around and they're like happy to see you. And they don't know why. They're not even conscious of how they imitate. But they do and they have a tendency to be much happier if you smile at them than if you don't. Yeah, well, it, it is kind of human nature to, to model what's before you. I mean, we've all, we've all been in a meeting or gathering with friends and that one person comes in and just changes the whole atmosphere because of their mood and their energy and, and everyone was doing good before that, you know? And so I think it's, I think it's something in us um, that we just don't even realize we're doing. And, but it's such an important thing to recognize and understand when you're dealing with somebody with dementia, because a lot of times we get mad at them for um, acting a certain way and, and they were fine till we came in. And they're, they're really mirroring us. And so I think sometimes we're mad at ourselves, but we don't, we don't know we're mad at ourselves. You know, we don't like that energy or whatever it might be. So yeah, it's, uh, it's great information. Now you, you, you know, changed jobs now and you've created this company called Senior Home Finders of Iowa. When did you realize that, that you wanted to do something different and did this journey with your folks you know, really light the fire under it. You know, thank you for asking. It has been a culmination and a thread my whole life as we were always encouraged to do customer, to do community service and help others. And all the nonprofit boards, you're helping people who need assistance in something. Mm -hmm. Children living with cancer, you know, breast cancer awareness, Alzheimer's. Um, Prevent Child Abuse Iowa, all, the, all of them, you're helping people do something better. It was in my immediate family since 02 with my sister and my mother being diagnosed and my sister then being diagnosed with ALS and just all the process of that with taking my parents on their journey, I realized in talking to other families, in everything I did in helping them, there was gaps in service. And mm -hmm. the gaps were in the figuring out which community you had an option to go to, figuring out what you were looking for, trying to figure out how best to serve them once they're in the community. And I just decided that it is 
really important for somebody to be their advocate when they're making that decision because no one wants to move out of their home. Yeah. Well, and it's so, I remember, you know, with my, with my mom, my, my mom had mentioned that my dad got cancer and because I was in real estate, I knew what the continuums of care were out there and available, but so many people didn't have a clue. They thought it was their home or nursing home, their home or nursing home. And there's, there's so much in between there and there's places people can live together without having um, total care. You know, and you can get in there, yeah. you can stay put and all of those different pieces and it's complicated. And, and then once you figure that out, then it's okay. I don't know. I want to go from A to B, but what about everything in between and how do I get there? That's, that's not easy either. Weeding through all the stuff and figuring out the timing or if somebody has to sell and, and stuff. Yeah. So, do you do you help with all of that? Um, I do. I have I have a number of people that assist me. I can help them, and I provide them with a variety of options based on their health, their finances, and everything in between. I will give them three or four options. I'll accompany them on a tour of those communities in the event they need to downsize to move into those communities. I have a couple different companies locally that will help that transition that I work with. I also have realtors that will help in the many communities in which I'm helping people, help them sell their homes, help them make that transition easier. I'm not actually a realtor, so I can't sell their homes or do that for them. And I'm not very good at decluttering. (laughs) I need someone else to help them with that too. So, but I am partnered with a lot of people that provide that full service offering. Yeah, and that makes such a big difference. I know when I was in real estate, I mean, I would just um, have classes with people about the options. And then, you know, how do you get from A to B? And I mean, some people make a decision really quick. And some people, I mean, I had one little lady, she called me out 11 years later. And then she went into her kitchen and she opened up her drawer and she pulled out all the information I gave her and, and she popped open the pen I gave her and she sat on the couch and she said, okay, I'm ready now. Right. I'm ready to do this. And I was amazed. <laughs> I even knew where that stuff was or, you know, <laughs> remember me um, in the process, but you know, everybody's pace is different or other people. I, I remember meeting with a builder one time and I was doing kind of an educational thing for real estate and um, people were shocked that some of their friends were there. And one of the things that came out in the discussion was people said, well, but they made their decisions so easily. And I'm like, no, they just didn't tell anybody they were going through all this turmoil because most people have a lot of turmoil, a lot of emotions that they're weeding through and they just made the decision. So it looks like it's easy, but they, you know, everybody has to go through that process and to have somebody stand by you and support you. Um, because there's a lot of single people, too, that, that don't have a partner or don't have family to bounce these big decisions off. And that's very scary. They are daunting decisions. Mm-hmm. We, for three years, four years, we looked at different communities, my mom and dad and I. And my dad would always come out and say, I don't want to live with a bunch of old people. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was getting there himself, if not already there. But you just have to continue the discussion. You have to have an open mind and an 
open ideas for them because they're not going to do it till they're ready. And when they are ready, they need help because it's really hard to make that move and to make that decision. Yeah. I know with my folks, they had, a, they had moved from their home up to the lake. And at that time, my dad was healthy and my mom was early onset. And what, you know, and I would talk to them probably three, three, four times a day. I would just touch base, make sure everything's going okay. And it wasn't until August, and it was August 1st, my dad's birthday, we were sitting on my patio having a birthday party, and it slipped out that that winter my mom had fallen up at the cabin. And between the house was not connected to the garage. And here they are at the end of a peninsula. All their neighbors were still traveling, but mom and dad weren't able to do that anymore. And she fell, and um, and he had just a heck of a time getting her up because by this point, then he he was um, recovering from his cancer, and he was in a weakened state. And he literally, um, I asked my mom because she was rubbing her knee. You know, I'm like, what's going on? Oh, I fell this winter. She remembered that. I said, well, when did that happen? Oh, ask dad. I have Alzheimer's, she said. So then my dad tells this story of my mom falling, and she's on this big slick pack of ice. And he went into the garage trying to figure out how he was going to get her up, and he got some salt and sand, and he sprinkled it around her like she's a tire and going to get traction. And it worked. So then he went back in the garage and he found this red sled and he rolled my mom onto the red sled then pulled that back up to the cabin where there was a few steps and a railing where she could get up. And my brothers, and I'll never forget that day because my brothers and I looked at each other like, oh my God, they could have froze to death. If dad would have fallen, they literally would have froze to death outside. And at that point, you know, we just said as a family, something has to change. And my dad did not want anything to change. And we were in the summer months. And so we still had a little bit of time before, you know, fall hit. And, and I had um, put them on a list for a um, senior building that was being built right like two blocks from my house. And I didn't tell them, I just put them on the list. <laughs> got them down there and we, we talked them into at least moving into the cities during the winter months. And they ended up keeping it year round, but you know, they could still go back and forth. But you know, we really had to explain as a family how scared we were. This wasn't about controlling them. This was, we want them with us as long as possible. And, and we need to know they're safe, that it's, it was really disrupting our, our life and our health you know, worrying about them. And when we talked about that, it made it a much easier for my dad, you know, to make that move. I but, would say ours is very similar in that my mother broke her hip fourth year or so, oh, and then again later, but into this process. And he caught her, she didn't fall. You know, she was in the hospital. He then had to have a gallbladder removed. He was in the hospital. Um, she was alone. She wouldn't go visit him because she wasn't sure she could get back into their house. She was in, they were in Florida. Our discussion finally mounted around the fact that dad, um, if something happens to you, mom can't tell anyone. Yeah. She thinks the remote is the phone. And that's where it was also similar to yours, more about our caring for you, the safety and security of you, mm -hmm. because mom can't help you and mom can't tell anyone you need help. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So, and then we, we were taught by mom to make them think they came up with the idea so that they are easier to agree to it. Uh-huh. So we give him floor plans of a place that's being built and let him choose which apartment he might like, you know, mm-hmm. and humorously he went with two sinks in the bathroom because they've always had two sinks in their bathroom. Now, I don't know many communities that actually offer that. They offer two bathrooms, but not always two sinks in one bathroom. But it worked out beautifully for them, and it was it just it adds a peace of mind to all of us. When you do it, it is just not anything they want to do, and you've mm-hmm. got to stay on top of them and visit regularly, which is why I think it's really important you move them close to you. So you have the option to go as often as possible because you, they're still very valuable in your life. And whether they, if you don't look at it as a disease and you look at them as an individual, which we all did, you gain so much wisdom and warmth every time you go see them. And where I earlier explained, my, we're not all in the same city. We always keep in touch with each other. Saw mom today, saw this, did that. Mom was like this. Mom was like that. And we always kept each other in the know so that none of us felt like we weren't able to be there. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I, I, I have to say um, about moving them closer, I, I think that, that um, that's what a lot of people think. And, and what I saw in my experience and was that a lot of people have, a lot of families have good intentions of changing their patterns. But if they truly haven't been involved, I, my experience over that 25 years when I was doing it was that very few change. And so I think you have to be really careful as a family to be honest with what can you really do. Not what you want to do, but what can you really do and are willing to do because when we uproot people from their their social environments and family doesn't fill that, that that can make it difficult too. And your your family was really good on that. Um, you know, like I said, my my brothers said they would, but didn't. didn't. You know, and they they were really my folks were just kind of moving back into town where we all lived right around, and. You know, sometimes it can it can have to do with their family and what's going on or their work environment or um, all of those different things. But it's um, family dynamics are interesting. They're they're really, really interesting. And I think the other thing we have to be careful of as families, too, is to not do everything for them. You know, and it's really easy for us to take over. And then that is how they lose their independence, you know, but we have to stay focused on keeping them independent and keeping those social activities and allowing them to, to make mistakes if they're not big ones, you know, um, to be part. And I, I learned that the hard way. um, And it was one time my folks were going on a, we were all going on a family vacation together and I, didn't realize that I did this until after the fact, but we were we were going to leave and we had all these suitcases and I I packed big suitcases. And they were too heavy for my dad to carry and my mom just had her little purse and so she was fine. But my dad was devastated that he couldn't help. And I easily, easily could have 
pack differently to let him be part. But that was, um, I just felt so bad. And I was so ashamed of myself for not thinking of that. But, you know, you're just, you're trying to make it easy, but easy isn't always the right thing to do. I agree. Sometimes it's, it's even harder than that when you're dealing with one that has dementia and one that doesn't. Mm-hmm. When you're only dealing with one with dementia, it's easier if you make a mistake because they don't remember it. Yeah. When you're dealing when you're dealing with their support, it's very it's very trying on you when you've made a mistake because then they think you don't trust them or you're not helping them and it is an absolutely very difficult challenge to try and keep it all together and keep everybody happy. Yeah. So having a a support person like you through this process is um, it's it's just a nice thing, I think, for people to have to even just to be able to voice what's going on, because sometimes they can't say something to their their spouse or their family. But, you know, when they trust you, you know, they can. And it's I, not that you need to fix it. It's just, you know, they want to they want to know, could it be done differently or how, you know, a lot of times it, it's even just standing up for their voice. And, yep. and supporting them, you know, through through that journey. Now, there's um, other companies in the market that um, help people find a home, like a place for mom or caring.com. How do you how do you differentiate your business um, compared to to competition? Um, well, the the electronic ones are the ones you can find a place for mom caring.com. They offer a service but they don't accompany you. They don't assist you in making the decision. I'm not directing anyone in their decision. I'm providing them with the information in their home that they need, that they want to consider. There is no pressure. There is, it's no hard sell. It is, you don't have to decide today. It might take you as your friend 10 years. Mm -hmm. You just need to know the information and you're asking for it. I provide it with no pressure, no strings, no cost nothing. And while neither of those places charge the individuals either, they're not nearly as involved in their lives or working with them individually. They ask them a series of questions and then they send the information out to a number of communities. It's different than that. And while there is, there are, excuse me, a couple companies that do what I do, they don't do it full time. They're doing it as an added service at the end of their day or something to that effect. But here in Iowa, I think I'm fairly new as an idea for business, but it's not new anywhere else in the country. And I'm just thrilled to be able to be fulfilled helping others as that's the primary motive of everything I've ever done. Yeah, I think that being relationship-based and just being there to help people troubleshoot through it or knowing what the processes are or you know, how, how do I skim here and, and get through this? And, you know, other, oh, other people are feeling this way. Oh, it's not just me. Or, you know, all of those things just ease the process, I think, and are really, um, really important because, I mean, moving is one of the biggest changes we can make because everything you own will be in a different place, even though it might be similar and then even just that sorting out, what do I take? What do I, you know, how do I know what to take? You know, um, 
and having those additional resource professionals that might pack and move them. I know there's ones out there that will help them sort through stuff. Um, I had a company I know that I worked with um, here in Minnesota called Gentle Transitions, and they were just unbelievable. I mean, they had, um, I had one woman who didn't want her neighbors to know how much stuff she had in her house because she was embarrassed. <laughs> so she wanted to move out of her house first and move, you know, move in. And they helped her measure, you know, the rooms and figure out what would fit. And they packed everything up and then they reset it all up for her. And then she did not um, put her house on for sale because she wanted to get rid of all the other stuff in the house. And so some of it they, they mailed off to family, others they put in donations. And then there was a lot that was just trash that needed to be dumped. But um, this particular woman didn't want her neighbors to know that she had a lot of stuff to toss. So she didn't want to get a dumpster. And so they came over, and this was at a time when trash pickup was twice a week. They came over twice a week and filled those little barrels out and wheeled them out to the curb and put them back. And it, it took a couple of months to empty out the house, but that's what she needed for her pride. And, you know, to have a relationship with somebody like yourself that understands the importance of that and in protecting their dignity um, and, um, you know, just, just being there um, during those scary times of big decisions, that's, that's just so valuable. It's just so valuable. It is. And sometimes, you know, like, you know, I've told you our family all agreed. Families don't always agree. Yeah. So it's also very beneficial for them to have an option of somebody else to get an opinion of an outside family member who's trying to help provide information. So it sometimes helps bring people back and, you know, it works both ways. It's very difficult and it's never easy, but it is very fun to be able to be there and help them and hold their hand and remember the questions that they forget on a tour and remember the things that they just are overlooking because, mm -hmm. oh, they're in awe of the beautiful building. Well, let's ask a few more questions. So yeah. there, it's, it's not a cut and dry thing and it's not an overnight thing. Yeah, it's really being an advocate for them in this, in this process. Because, you know, one of the things with the move is you don't want to make a wrong one because it is so emotional and it does take so much out of people. I think the other thing, um, you know, you can really offer is just that education to families because families come in at a whole different level typically, you know, and a lot of times what, what I would find, and I don't know if you found this, but I would find, for example, a person who doesn't feel their house really meets their needs, but is scared to death that if they sell it, they're going to become dependent on others, or they're going to become a burden to others. So they're just going to stay put and they're not going to say anything, even if they don't feel safe, even if the house isn't meeting their needs, even if it's a financial burden to them they will stay put because they don't want to be a burden to their kids and they don't want to lose their independence. And then the kids will come over and go, gosh, you know, things need to be updated, but I don't want to address this because I don't want to get in a fight. And if they agree, oh my gosh, then I got to do it and I have no time. And, you know, and so they're kind of weighing that out too. But when you've got that 
third person who is really advocating for whatever is best for that person. You know, and just standing up and then explaining it to both sides on how we can make this work. And, you know, you don't have to do that because there are resources here that can help because they don't know that they exist. You know, and you, you can't find what you don't know. Is you don't look. Yeah. You don't know. You don't even look. Yeah. And so I think that that can be just really good. And you can kind of be that key communicator for family too. So everybody's on the same page because it's, you know, just getting those email addresses and boom, you know, it's, this is where we're at in the process or this is what we need or hooking them up to even a, some kind of schedule where they can all see, you know, what's going on um, is that's just huge because time is precious. Um, but it, our, is. But and it becomes more and more precious the older we get. Yeah. But our, but our loved ones have to come first. And so how do we, how do we make them a priority? And, and I think just even educating people in terms of moves that, you know, when you have a house that fits you properly and your needs properly, you're going to be more independent. That's just how it works. Um, but there's that huge myth and stigma that you're going to become dependent. And the whole goal is to keep you as independent as possible. Even if you're moving into an assisted living or even if you're moving into a memory care, it's, it should all be about dignity and independence and, you know, social gatherings and, and you know, engagement in a positive fashion. And, you know, you see that stuff in action when you're out there touring and you, you develop relationships with, with companies and with staff. Um, and you can a lot of times communicate things that they might not even think is important to communicate. <laughs> Absolutely. On, on both sides. Yep. With, with what people need. So um, that, that's really important. Now, you had mentioned that there wasn't a cost. So everyone's going to want to know, well, then how the heck is she getting paid that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I get paid by the communities if I have a contract with them and you choose to move into that community. Mm -hmm. I will not leave communities, well, I'm not going to promote them that don't have contracts with me, but I'm not going to leave them out of the discussion. I just won't tour with you if I don't have a contract with a community. But for those communities with whom I am contracted, they pay me after the people have moved in mm -hmm. so that they're happy. And they yeah. don't pay me for a while after they moved in, which is fine because we're going to make the right decision the first time. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And that's, um, I think that that's such a relief to people too, that it's not something that they have to pay for. And it's not that the companies are boosting the prices to pay you. It's no. just, it's pretty standard in the industry. And um, it's clearly written in my contract that they are not allowed to pass on my fees. Mm -hmm. And the, the individual has, an, they're paying for enough things. Every time they turn around, they have to pay for something and pay for something and pay for something. It's not right for them to have to pay for an advocate. They should be provided an advocate if they want one. Yeah. Now, how do you identify and kind of match communities to people? Do you have a, you know, a, a magic formula or do you interview them with certain questions or how does that process work? I interview them. I interview their kids. You get a real good idea. And as you said, people don't really change. Mm -hmm. And based on their livelihood. So you get involved with the family to figure out 
what their best option is. Is your best option to visit during lunch when you're at work? Is your best option to visit at night when you get home? Mm-hmm. How often, you know, are you totally engaged? And you don't ask it that quite clearly. It's very easy to figure out pretty quickly what their level of interest is. So you work with their health needs, their financial needs, and location. And those mm-hmm. are the three key, and it isn't really a formula, but it kind of turns into one as you compile the information. It makes it pretty easy. To mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I found, too. It's just very conversational. And, and then as you're touring with them, um, I, I found, too, a lot of times I would I would pick up on things they wouldn't pick up on, on what they liked and what they didn't like. And so then I would address that. And I'm like, oh, you're, you know, your eyes seem to perk up at this, but you might not like that. And, and a lot of times they're not even aware of that. So, again, having that relationship with somebody who is looking for those signals that sometimes we just take for granted. Um, the other thing I found interesting, too, with a lot of people making these types of moves is, They'd be like, oh, you know, mom's just not very social. You know, she, well, she used to be, but she's not. Well, she's not anymore because all those opportunities have, have passed in her current home. But if you get somebody into a social environment, they'll typically readapt. And then it's hard to even catch them in their apartment or in their condo or wherever they're in sometimes because they're visiting. And that would be, I think, one of the biggest um, changes families would see. They were shocked that they just said their their parent was kind of almost reborn, and it was really fun to see them being happy. But I think we get, you know, we get used to small, subtle changes in our own lives, and we don't even realize what we what we've lost or what we've given up. We just adapt. And, and I think the communities offer a, a lot more in that relationship and that social side than people anticipate. Mm -hmm. And while even when you're in the community, you're not engaged with the friends you had for 40 years before you moved in there. Mm -hmm. They're in their own situation, struggling and figuring it out. But you have people all around you that are very interested in hanging out or, and depending on the activities director, which your daughter is probably Mm -hmm. a phenomenal one. And there are some that are better than others, (laughs) but if you've got that in the right place and people actually engage all of the people, they really, they do a ton of socializing in the community. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's opportunities in so many to, you know, meet in a dining room or just go get some juice or there's snacks or buy the mail room um, where people just casually gather and start talking. And I think so often one of the things I would find too, and I'm sure you do as well is, is people who have moved already, you know, they want to help the next guy make that move smoother too. And so they're willing to give advice in terms of what worked or support. You know, that's just a common, that's a common bond because for most people, it's not an easy thing to go through. And so it's a real um, easy um, conversation opener you know, with people, where'd you come from and how'd you get here and do you have kids and just all of those, those types of um, questions. And some communities even have a welcoming table where new residents go for two weeks to get to know four or five people that help them network to the other people that are there. There are, they have done a remarkable job of improving 
those situations and making uh -huh. people feel more welcome. Good, good. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention that we haven't covered? Um, if there is, I uh, we had kind of a interesting way to start this, so um, I've probably not kept track of it. Okay, well, and I, we just so some people know we had a really difficult time connecting. We had technical difficulties, and I have a neighbor who is cutting down a tree who stopped. Who I don't know if you can hear it has started again. Oh. <laughs> They're grinding up the trees, so hopefully that's not too too loud. There they go. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I, actually, I think our timing worked out good between all of our technology things. Um, you can reach Becky um, by going to her website, which is just a phenomenal website. Uh, seniorhomefinderofiowa.com, seniorhomefinderofiowa.com, or you can email her at Becky, and that's B-E-C-K-Y, at seniorhomefinderofiowa.com. And then do you want to give out your phone number as well? Some people Absolutely. 515-770-8831. Wonderful. Well, Becky, it's it's a pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking with you again today. And I would really encourage people, if you're in Iowa, you know, get a hold of Becky and let her help you through this process. It'll be much less stressful. And as you can see from her, her just gorgeous smile, she's just full of great energy. And it, it'll just, it'll be a fun time. It'll, she'll make it a fun time. So, well, thank you, Lori. Well, thank you. In closing, I'm just going to give a shout out to a couple other companies. Um, the Roberto app is a really cool app that you can download that measures brain function. And so it's something that you can um, download and you just take these little tests kind of by video and, um, and see how you're engaging. And it might show that, you know, maybe you didn't get enough sleep or Maybe, you know, you're a little stressed right now and you'll see those differences show up or maybe it's time to talk to a doctor when you're seeing a, a change. Um, another one that I would like to um, just give a shout out to is the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. Uh, they are located in Arizona and they just do a great job. But if you're looking for like a holistic approach, um, they do a lot with nutrition, exercise. They've got a really cool meditation. It's all research-based that can help the mind to retain um, for a little bit longer period of time, which is neat. And then um, the last one I'm going to um, call out is calendar cards. They have a memory system that just is a reminder system for people on what's going on in their day. So you have to take out the trash. Do you have a doctor's appointment? When to eat lunch or whatever. Um, and then they have some blank cards you can fill out. But they also, calendar cards, and that's spelt with a, a K instead of a C on both calendar and cards. They also have put together the uh, memory cafe directory. So if you want to find a memory cafe, um, you can just go to memorycafedirectory.com and um, see what's available in your state. Or if you want to start one, you can get that registered for free. They would be more than glad to do that. And then you can access all their information there as well. So um, until next week, have a brilliant week. And again, thanks for joining us. And don't forget to share. Bye-bye. 
Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.